the missing piece is always action. Just get down, get to work, you know, get out of your head and start because it's never going to be perfect when you start. And that's what editors are for. So the missing piece is always action. Welcome to the Positive Productivity Podcast, Episode 545. The Positive Productivity Podcast was created to empower entrepreneurs to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success. I'm your host, Kim Sutton, and if you're ready, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of Positive Productivity. I am so excited to introduce you today to Julie Broad, the founder of Book Launchers. And if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you already know why I'm so intrigued about the potential for this conversation. And you also know that I have no idea where any conversation is going to go. But Julie, I don't know if you know that I've been working on my book, quote, working for two years, but it's chronic idea disorder. And I have chronic idea disorders, so I can't get it out of my head. (laughs) 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 So I'm so intrigued by what you do, but welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you here. Hey, thank you so much for having me. And and immediately I'm going, okay, so you have you written anything? Yes, I have about four different documents because (laughs) I can never remember where the last one was. So I found them all last week and basically scratched them all and not scratched. I think scratch is too strong of a word. Like I'm I'm actually going back to the root and figuring out the story that is gonna go along with the book and starting it from a different light. But Julie, I would love to know how you got into this and then we can then we can point fingers at me. <laughs> All right, because I'm I'm ready to dive into this book and figure out how we can get it out of you. But yeah, I I mean, so just kind of a, a short background for people is my background's actually real estate. I started investing in 2001, and through that journey, I ended up uh, writing and publishing my first book, and that was in 2013. And that book. You know, the long the long story uh, made short is that I tried to get it traditionally published. They said I wouldn't be able to sell enough books. And uh, so I kind of went on a mission going, you know what? You don't think I can sell enough? I'm going to do it better than you. And uh, so I took that book uh, when I self-published it to number one overall on Amazon. So I was ahead of Dan Brown. I was ahead of Game of Thrones series. You know, I was in the I top. I like your style. That's <laughs> exactly you. how I do it. You say I can't? Let me show you how I can. Yeah. It's yep. So, yeah. That's exactly what I did. So it's kind of fun. Then my friends who were traditionally published were all going, hey, how'd you do that? Like, none of our books are doing that well. (laughs) So it really opened my eyes to not only the world of self-publishing and the challenges and the beauty and the glory of it, but also the drawbacks of traditionally publishing. And and it actually made me grateful that I didn't get the book deal because I helped a lot of my friends who were traditionally published and they were really backed into corners and and really, uh, you know, they made almost no money, whereas I made a lot of money on my book. And uh, yeah, so it, it really kind of got me into this self-publishing thing. And I was having so much fun helping all of my friends for free while real estate was kind of losing its luster. You know, i after about 15 years of, of lots of real estate, I was kind of going, that's not that fun anymore. And and uh, life kind of threw us a curveball. And and uh, I said, hey, I'm going to open a company that will do everything that people need to create a great self-published book that will achieve their goal at the end of it. Because there's lots of people who will help you with bits and pieces of it, but there wasn't really anybody going, okay, you want to be a paid speaker or you want to grow your business? Okay, let's make sure you write the right book to achieve that goal. And, and hey, we have all the professionals you need along the line to do it as well or better than the traditional publishers would do it for you. I love that. 
And I think that's why I was resisting for so long to actually do the work was because I thought I was writing a book to write a book. And I didn't realize that I could actually write the book to compliment and also help build the business. Yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of, I get a lot of people who contact me just by the name of our company, Book Launchers. A lot of people don't necessarily realize that we will help you right from the start, coaching you through the book and helping you even write it if you want help there. Uh, a lot of people come to me with finished books and they go, oh, can you help me market it? It's not selling. And those people have often written a book for the sake of writing a book. And that's great. Like if, if you're going to feel fulfilled that you've written the book and you achieved it, that's, that's good, you know, mission accomplished. But if you actually want people to read it and for it to do something for you, you have to be clear on that from the start and make sure you write the right book. And a lot of times there's a lot of similarities between the book you want to write and the book that will get you where you want to go, but they're not always the same book. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I read, um, no BS sales and marketing, I think was the name of it. Dan Kennedy. Yeah, Dan Kennedy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A couple years ago, maybe last year, I think. And that was the beginning of the aha for me. Like when he's putting in the, the promotions, you can get complimentary resources. Find the worksheet at, you know, and mm -hmm. over and over again. I was like, that's genius. And my apologies to Dan Kennedy or his brand. I don't even know if he's alive. Isn't that horrible? But um, <laughs> He is alive. Okay. But uh, there were some big ahas that I got out of the book, but I got more out of just seeing like how it would work for their or how it does work for their business because I joined the list because I was curious mm -hmm. then than I did out of the book itself. Agreed. I agreed. I actually wrote, he has one that's like the, something about sales letters. <laughs> uh -huh. I was like, I didn't learn how to write a sales letter from this book, but anyway. <laughs> but you saw how there's those awesomely placed, like exactly. go to dot, 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 dot com and get your dot, 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 whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. And that's really, you want to know what you're going to do. And I think there's tactful ways to do it too, so that it's not so blatantly in your face, but it still gets results. But yeah, I mean, like knowing why you're writing it, you'll know, okay, I need to make sure I've thought about what other resources I'm going to want to give people so that they do come back and connect with me so that they might want to become a client in the future. You are not helping chronic idea disorder, <laughs> by the way. Well. And I'm not even talking about the book right now. I'm actually talking about the condition. Because the final straw, and I don't, I feel like I'm being selfish this episode. I don't, I hope I don't normally do it like this, but the final straw in actually writing it now, and I, I am actually working with a coach, but I'm so like that you said that you have clients who have come to you who have already written and then mm -hmm. work on, on the launches. So I'm so intrigued about knowing more all, about both sides because you just gave me an idea for another book. <laughs> Because <laughs> I am, I'm actually building another program and it's heartfelt funnels. It's talking about the non-sleazy, the feel-good marketing funnels. And we've seen people like um, Ryan Levesque with Ask and Jeff Walker with Launch right. for his yep, launch yep. method mm -hmm. or product launch formula. Like I, I'm not knocking him. Okay. But I just don't, it doesn't resonate with me. Mm -hmm. But you can go, you can read his book and then you can go and you can sign up for the free resources. I mean, I could totally be doing that with a book version of Heartfelt Funnels. And if they want to go take the whole course, here it is. Mm -hmm. I'll walk you through everything. I never thought about that. I so don't need another book idea right now, but I just got one and I don't think I'm going to be able to drop it. Darn. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> well, and I think, you know, that's to help with the chronic idea disorder, but also, you know, anybody listening is figuring out, you know, what's your most important thing right now? Because you're not limited to one book. Guess what? You can write more than one. And uh, it's just a matter of which one's most important right now and which one is going to help you or and or help the most people at the same time. And so I always like to kind of look at it from that perspective. And, and even what book will help you then lead to the next book, you know, that's another way to look at it too. And really kind of dig into, you know, if, if this is what you're building right now, and this is what you're growing, it probably makes sense to write this book first. Julie, this might be a controversial question, maybe not. But when should a person write a book And when would you say that they shouldn't? Or would you say there's never a reason why they shouldn't? (laughs) I think some people in my shoes might say there's no reason not to, but I actually think there are a few reasons not to. When I I put a video on my my YouTube channel that I think is like three people who shouldn't write a book, and it's the only, it's one of the few that I actually have a bunch of thumbs down on. I have a lot of, usually my videos are quite popular, but that one, I guess people were offended (laughs) that I told them things couldn't write a book or they shouldn't write a book. But I mean, for one thing, a book, to do a book well, and I, you know, you can, you can write a book in a weekend, you can be a quote unquote, you know, hokey Amazon bestseller in 90 days, you know, there's all these programs that will promise you these things. And it's totally possible. But I want you to create a great book that you're going to be proud to hand to anybody. And the reality is that takes money. And that takes time. There are things you can do to save money and there's things you can do to make it go faster. But to do it really well, it just it there's just no way around it. There's no shortcuts. It's like getting that six pack. You're not getting that six pack without investing some time in your diet and some time in the, in the gym. So it's kind of like that. So I do tell people, if you genuinely have no time right now, you should not try to write a book. Like don't try to add this to the, the plate because it's probably going to be that thing that breaks you. And that's one. And then there are some people who aren't clear on why they're writing the book. They just feel like they should write a book. And without that clear goal, you're not going to achieve success. Like if you really don't know why you're going to write the book or even who it's for specifically, it's probably not going to work out. And, and the example that I give is people who come to me and say, I want to help people. I'm like, okay, great. Like, who do you want to help and how are you going to help them? And, you know, they just say, well, I'm going to help them by telling my story. And I, you know, dig a little deeper, like, okay, what is your story going to do for them? And when they can't answer that, I'm worried because they're not going to have a clear audience for their book. And, you know, saying people like me, well, you know, I I can't speak for you, but I know for me, I'm a complex person and there's aspects of me that you're going to find other people. But, you know, a person just like me, you're not going to find. And I can say that probably for you, too. There's probably nobody that is exactly like you. Oh, um, heaven help them if they are. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So you can't say people like me. You have to really hone in on, okay, what is the problem? And who are they? Where are they hanging out? Who are they already listening to? What problem are they already trying to solve right now? You have to go that direction. And if you can't answer those questions, then you're probably not going to write a book that's going to resonate with very many people. Thank you so much. And I love how you said, you know, that if your time's already stretched. Listeners, we are recording this at the beginning of November 2018. I don't normally timestamp, but there is a purpose. What's it? NaNoWriMo or I have (laughs) NaNoWriMo. Yep. Yeah. What is it? National November Writing? It's National Novel Writing Month. Okay. Which is awesome. And I've always wanted to work on my non-novel. So I, it would be awesome if they had a non-fiction. Actually, that would work, right? Just use the N-O for November. Non-fiction. Yeah. 
Yeah, totally. Non- of, November or nonfiction. Yep. Yeah, yeah. But it's, I've been talking about it with one of my close friends for 10 years now. I'm not going to put aside everything else that I have to work on right now to write my book. I mean, right now, if I did that, my whole business would go, mm-hmm. you know? So I totally agree with that. I love it. But it is also a dream that I could go away with my husband for two months, put our kids in with family. I mean, we would miss them terribly. Stay in a resort and just write and go on Mm -hmm. the beach and just write. But is that reality right now? Absolutely not. For the people who can, though, get away, stay in a hotel and write. Oh, it sounds amazing. Send me a postcard. Seriously. Yeah, I mean, that that would be great. But I mean, not very many people can do that. But if you can dedicate five hours a week, you can probably do it. But you need to be able to dedicate five hours a week. Which, when you think about it, really isn't that much time. Because we can easily find five hours that we're scrolling on social media. A lot of us can. Yeah. And I think, you know, when I say people who can't handle it, I'm not talking about the people who just feel like they're busy. I'm talking about people who are going through a divorce. They're launching oh, yeah. a new business. You know, there's real stuff going on in your life. You know, there's you know, a kid has a health problem. Like there's, you know, when you have real stuff going on in your life, you don't add a book to it because it will break you. Mm-hmm. But I'm not talking about the people who feel like they're so busy, they can't do anything, you know, but if you look at their schedule, there's probably 20 hours of time that's not being well used. You know, that is not the person I'm talking about. <laughs> Thank you for making that clear distinction, because I can see how, you know, I can see the difference. I would love to know if you think that you should write the book first or your platform first, because I've heard both sides. So I would love your opinion. Yeah, I mean, so it, it depends on why you don't have a platform. If you don't have a platform, because, and a lot of our clients are in this situation, they've just sold a very successful business and their platform went with it, or they've sold the business and they didn't build their own platform, you know, or they're, they've been doing something, but they haven't been, you know, known as the person for it. So in other words, the platform isn't from lack of experience, right? In that case, I would say write the book and build the platform while you're writing the book and when you launch your book, because the book is actually a phenomenal platform builder. And if you're smart about it, like you, what we've already talked about, you know, you put some clear calls to action and then the things you do to promote the book, that grows your platform. I mean, when my first book came out, I ran a training and education company. So I sold online courses and ran workshops and did some speaking. My business was already a six-figure business. And in the 12 months after my book came out, that business doubled. And so I was able to raise prices and fill workshops faster. And I was selling out really, really fast. And it's because my platform grew as my book came out. And also the credibility that comes with the book helped a lot too. So, you know, I don't think it's one before the other. I think that if you're smart, you actually can, you will, no matter what, build a much bigger platform from the book. I love that. Thank you so much. Because I know that there's a lot of people who haven't thought about a, well, I'm just going to pick on Facebook, for example, a public figure page, you know, to promote them. And I don't know that it's necessarily always a necessity, but I'm thinking about Tim Ferriss and the four hour work week. I mean, I'm sure uh-huh. he has a, and I don't know this for a fact, I haven't ever looked into it, but I'm sure there must be a four hour work week Facebook group and Tim Ferriss, without a doubt, I don't know if I'm a fan or not, to be totally honest, but I'm sure he has a public figure page. But when he wrote the book, he didn't have it. I mean, I I think that's what really launched him, right? So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what he did is something that I did for my first book. And that's, he 
well, I did it a little differently, but he, he made friends with a bunch of bloggers and they promoted his book. And mm-hmm. so he got in front of the audience of others. And really that's why my book went to number one. It's because I had, it's a, it was a real estate book and I had realtors and I had mortgage brokers and I had real estate associations and I had the support of a national magazine in Canada and they promoted my book to people. They had the audience. I mean, mm-hmm. I had a bit of an audience, but I didn't have a big audience, which is why the traditional publishers turned me down. But I, I made friends and really and built relationships with people who did have an audience and then their audience became my audience. And so, you know, you don't have to have your own audience. You just need to have a good message, a really well thought out message that appeals to an ideal reader who then you look for, okay, who has my ideal reader in their audience? And and just going back to the social media, there's reasons social media is important, but it actually doesn't sell books. And I'll just run you through the math on this and why, I, I mean, I've tracked it, so I know for certain, but I'll just, you know, just to illustrate an example, let's say you have 100,000 followers on some platform, you know, and probably most of us don't, I don't, but let's just say you do, you have 100,000 followers, the average social media link gets clicked less than 1%. Okay, so that means best case scenario, you promote your book on that to your 100,000 followers, and 1% of them click. And by the way, that's really high. Like It's not even 1% for the most part. So that's 1000 people. Now, look at your link. Now, how many of those are buying? Maybe 20% at best, right? right? So yeah, so now you're down to 200 book sales from your so- your 100,000 mm. person social media following is going to sell 200 books big deal. You can sell that in one speaking engagement. So so I'm not a huge believer in you need a, a platform to sell books. I mean, if, traditional publishing, if you're looking at a traditional publishing deal, they're looking for you to have a newsletter list of at least 100,000 or a million hits a month on your blog, or a million followers or more, because they've done the math, right? They've done the math. They know that you need to have that many people for them to sell enough books for it to break for break even and to hopefully make a profit on your book. So, you know, that's, I always encourage people to not really worry about that and not really worry about if they hate social media, they're not gonna be able to sell their book. Just worry about building relationships with people who have your ideal reader in their audience. Thank you so much. I am such a nerd. When it comes to numbers like that, I can't stand accounting or bookkeeping. But when it comes to social media and and marketing statistics, I love that. Wow. And considering we're on a podcast right now, if you don't mind me making a recommendation or to authors who are about to launch or plan to in the next year, podcasts are a great way to expand exposure for your book. But don't email the host like a week before your book is going to launch and say, hey, can I come on? Because likely it's not going to happen. I mean, you should be planning your scenario two, three, six, even a year out, don't you think? Yeah, I think, I mean, so how we approach launches is we're really looking for the bulk opportunities and podcasts are more for awareness. And so for the awareness, yeah, if you want to have a bunch of people talking about your book all at launch week, you're probably looking at, okay, you want to book it at least two months before the podcast. Like, so yeah, doing the math, it's like, you're right, four to six months because you're going to book it and it's probably going to be recorded you know, four to six weeks later at best. And then from there, it's going to be recorded. They probably won't release it for eight weeks, maybe 12. So you're looking at somewhere between four to six months. Now you can often request that it get released at a certain time frame, but you're only going to be able to get that request honored if you're doing this far in advance. So yeah, 
for our clients, we usually look at podcasts as a way to kind of continue the awareness after the the book launches. We don't actually find a lot of books sell from a podcast alone. It's really having your, you kind of have to be that person who's suddenly everywhere. And podcasts help enormously with that, especially if it's a very well-targeted audience. And I think podcasts are a great approach in conjunction with doing other things. I want to hear about some of these other things. Because when you said bulk awareness, what does that mean? Yeah, so you're, again, it's all about who has your ideal reader in their audience. So mm-hmm. we're looking at speak. We're looking at conferences. We're looking at companies who maybe are already selling to your ideal reader. You know, there's opportunities. Uh, one of the deals that I struck was with a magazine. And so it was Canadian Real Estate Wealth Magazine. So they had real estate investors in their audience. And my first book was written for real estate investors. And they were looking for a giveaway, like a tangible, valuable giveaway that they could give to people who subscribed to two years of their magazine or more. So the deal that we struck was I gave them, I can't remember, I think it was 200 books, 200 copies of my book. So it was at my cost. And then they gave me six months worth of advertising in their magazine. And then they gave me some a featured speaking spot at some of their events and some booth space. Basically, they gave me about $35,000 worth of marketing in exchange for what I think worked out to, it was it was less than $1,500 cost to me in books. So wow. I got, thir- so that was with my book. And so that's, and it also perfectly placed my book in the hands of 200 people who were buying Canadian Real Estate Wealth Magazine, right? So they were my perfect person anyway. And so deals like that, I think a lot of people don't even think about. But if there's a company, like again, a realtor, uh, it was a realtor company that had a really strong uh, real estate investor angle to their business. They're probably the reason I got to number one because they had a really strong fan base and they loved my message of my book and were happy to promote it. And so it's just looking for those opportunities because uh, they're everywhere, but a lot of people aren't thinking creatively enough to find that win. You know, one of the deals that we looked at, I don't I don't think it's actually going through, but we had a client with a fitness book and uh, she promotes heavily uh, a certain program in the book. And we reached out to them and we were talking about maybe them buying books to give away as part of a promotional strategy for one of their upcoming programs. Um, programs. And again, I don't know if it's going through it. I don't think it is, but that's just kind of an approach. Like we could have, we might've been able to move thousands of copies of her book and put them in the hands of her ideal reader by partnering with an organization that is selling and looking for bonuses. Wow. You've got my brain spinning right now, which isn't helping my communication because all I can say is, wow. (laughs) (laughs) I'm very eloquent today. What makes you so passionate about book launchers? Uh, well, I mean, besides the fact that I'd gone through this process twice and I've seen the enormous value and the enormous results that are possible from a book. Mm-hmm. So, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm firsthand excited for people because I know what a book does for you and for your business and, you know, financially, but also emotionally. Like some people just, you know, they read my book and then they got to know me in a way that they just didn't seem to get to know me in person and suddenly, you know, we had better relationship. Um, not saying anything, but my mother-in-law probably would never listen to this. So I can say my mother-in-law. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's kind of, it had a lot of benefits. And so I'm passionate about that. And then having gone through the self-publishing process and helped a lot of my friends who were traditionally publishing, you know, I just believe so strongly in owning your book, owning your rights, you know, being in control of your, your content, your expertise and your story. Um, one of my friends, he wrote a book and was traditionally published right around the time that, you know, I, I didn't get my deal. And uh, a couple of years later, HGTV contacted him and wanted to do a TV show based on his book. His publisher wouldn't negotiate with HGTV. So what? he had to go. 
yeah, he had to go back and the publisher owned the rights to his book. So he couldn't do it without them. Um, so he had to go back to the publisher and buy his rights back in order to negotiate with HGTV. So he did that. And then, and I don't know how much it cost him. I, you know, he never disclosed that, but I do know that they ended up filming a pilot and then it never got picked up. So he, after all the stuff he went through and the money he put into it, he didn't end up getting the deal. If he had self-published, he could have done all of this without having to buy the rights back. So that makes me really excited for people going self-publishing. I'm like, the traditional model is broken right now. Maybe they'll fix it. But I really don't think it's in very many people's favor to go that route. But on the other side of it, self-publishing is a gigantic pain in the butt. Like it is painful. And writing a book and publishing a book is already painful. Um, but if you have to hire all the pieces and to create a great book, that just adds a whole new layer of complexity, which is why I'm so excited about book launchers, because we're helping you write a book that's going to grow your business, you can get paid speaking engagements off it, your mother in law might like you more, <laughs> you know, all these pieces that can happen from your book, we're helping you. But we've also simplified it because I have already vetted my team. And I have an amazing team, I'm always so proud to introduce uh, new clients to my team. I'm like, yeah, this person's awesome. This one, you know, this guy's, he was nominated for an Emmy and this one's worked on a New York Times bestseller and this one's worked on 500 books. And, you know, I'm always so excited to introduce people to who they get to work with uh, through the process. And yeah, and I love books too. So does your team have a nickname? My team is called Team Awesome. <laughs> team Awesome. <laughs> No, but they call me the wizard because uh, once you sign Ooh. on with my company, I'm, I'm behind the scenes and I kind of, uh, I am involved in every single book, but our clients don't hear from me. They hear from other people on my team unless, you know, unless I specifically reach out for some reason. But um, yeah, so they call me the wizard. <laughs> oh, I like that. That's actually what I'm aspiring to be because I, I've had too many, I've too many hands. That sounds like I have 18 I've felt like the octopus lately, having all my tentacles in buckets that they shouldn't be in. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I, my hands are in all the buckets. It's just that people don't always see my hand in their bucket. <laughs> yeah, but if they don't see your hand in their, if they don't see your hand in their bucket, then they'll be less likely to reach out to you and will go to the team member who they should be going to. So you can, that's true. You can yeah. still be there. That's where it gets dangerous is by yeah. having my tentacles visible in their buckets. It's like, oh, got to email Kim. Oh, got to Skype Kim. Oh, yeah, she gave that's me her, true. her cell number. Maybe I should call her. No, uh -huh. <laughs> just no. Yeah, especially at like 8.30 in the evening when I'm trying to put my kids to bed. Just no. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have another book inside you right now or multiple yeah, I mean, I'll always be writing a book, I think. But right now, I'm writing a very strategic book. You know, it's not one that I'm like passionately called to write, but it's really about our, our process at our company, what we do, um, why we do it. And it's really, you know, it's geared towards anybody who wants to write a book, write a great book. Like, that's the big thing is if you want to write a book to grow your business, build your brand the book I'm working on right now, it will walk you through, you know, our whole approach to developing a hook and creating that table of contents and really making sure the elements that actually make your book sell are in place. And I'm kind of the anti-guru approach to this because I'm, I'm telling you, yeah, you know, you can't write a great book in 90 days and you, you know, you can become a bestseller on Amazon, but does it really matter? Because, you know, the fact of the matter is to be a bestseller in some categories, all you have to do is sell 20 books. So what's that really doing for you in the long run, right? Like, woohoo, I sold 20, 20 books. books. 
in some categories, yeah, that's all it takes. So a lot of people who are celebrating their number one bestsellers, like, so the problem is they focus on it. They focus so intently on becoming an Amazon number one bestseller, they achieve it. And then what? right? Like big deal, you sold 20 books. What's that really doing for your end goal? So that's why we don't measure success by those kind of measures. Like I'm really focused on, okay, what's your business goal? Like what, or what is this book going to do for you? Let's make sure your book is doing that. And probably if you're doing it right, you're probably still going to get the bestseller category in multiple categories. Like we had a launch last week who was not at all focused on Amazon number one bestseller. And uh, she got to number 87 overall as a print book. And that was not the goal. Like, again, she's really focused on her message and getting clients into her business. But by virtue of just doing the right things and creating an interesting message, you know, you can probably achieve other things, but you want to have the momentum that will come from focusing on the bigger goal, not on that instant dopamine hit of putting it on Facebook and everybody going, yay, way to go. And, you know, you have only sold 20 books to do it. Thank you. Because I know there's programs out there that teach you how to get onto the Amazon bestseller list by going into the really obscure categories. Yep. And there's people who charge 500 to $5,000 to get to do you, it. you know, yep. yeah, to guarantee you'll be an Amazon bestseller. And, you know, even at $500, they only have to buy 20 copies of your book to do it. So they're still making a nice profit. <laughs> well, I have to, I have to admit, I've watched some videos from some of these because I've had clients who have signed up for the program mm-hmm. and they didn't want to go through. So like, Hey, watch this and implement. And right there in the video, they show how so-and-so just got their book up on Amazon. Now everybody else in the audience go and buy the copy for 99 cents. And it just went uh-huh. around the room. And now you got 400 people who just bought the ebook or the 99 cent hard copy and they made it. And, and can I tell you it, the that bigger would, problem? That would not yeah. feel good to me. No, me either. And you know what? There's actually a really big problem with that approach. Do you want me to tell you what it is? Please. So especially when they do it, when it's like 400 people or 50 people or 100 people, like there's volume doing that. So Amazon's most powerful marketing tool is the also bots, right? You know, people who bought this also bought this. So and I have a, a somebody I know, so an acquaintance that was in one of these bestseller kind of groups that did this. And the problem is, so now his is a personal finance book. And when I do talks, I actually show the screenshot of his also bots. When you look at his also bots, there's a cancer book, there's a law of attraction book, there's a fitness book, like there's nothing personal finance. And so, you know, a year and a half later, when I was talking to him, I'm like, how's your book doing? He goes, I don't sell any copies. And I went on his page and I'm like, well, this is your problem. Like Amazon doesn't know who is the buyer of your book. So the relevancy is not there. You've taught Amazon that you have this really eclectic, weird buyer, which really doesn't exist. So Amazon does not know who to show your book to. So it's so, and I actually have a video on my YouTube channel, which is booklaunchers.tv, where I show the screenshot from this book, but it's, it's the video is you don't want friends and family to buy your book. And if a couple friends and family buy your book who aren't relevant, it's fine. But it's when you do this and you've got a hundred people who aren't actually buyers of your subject matter then it screws everything up and you can't fix it. Like that is damage that is done. And there's, unless you sell thousands and thousands of copies to people who are now your ideal reader and who are buying other books like yours, Amazon will never know who to show your book to. Wow. That is mind blowing right there. And I, oh, wow. Well, wow, wow. See, you're not helping. Like I'm normally a lot more conversational than this, but I'm just having my mind blown because... So 
I want to go to the speaking portion for a moment. See, I, I picked up from that really quickly. So for those people like me who really do want to get on stage and are passionate about talking about what they're, you know, about their book, and I'm just picking on speaking for a second, but don't have speaking experience, what do you recommend? Because we still want to get in front of the large audiences or, I mean, is, and I'm jumping from one question to another, so I'm sorry, but our blog, like blog tours, are they dead or are they still alive? <laughs> okay, those are two totally different questions. Yeah. So yeah, the speaking is if you've never spoken before. So I mean, one of one of our clients, um, he's his book's coming out in January, and he's already done some speaking. And with his book coming out, he was able to negotiate a ten thousand dollars speaking fee plus they're buying four hundred copies of his book, one for every person in the audience. So if you've already done some speaking, a book just kind of blows it up. Right now, you're getting revenue from the book, you're getting revenue from your fee, and it sets you apart because if there's two fairly equal speakers, they're going to go with the one with the book over the one without. So if you're already speaking, it's powerful. If you're not already speaking, you know, I think my example is actually pretty good. I was speaking, I did quite a bit of little, I shouldn't say quite a bit, like like three or four a year at little local associations. So in front of 30, 40 people. And then leading up to my book, I started to do a few bigger speaking engagements. And as my book came out, I could have been speaking all the time. I was, I did probably speak once or twice a month and audience sizes ranged from 50 to 600 people. And the book really, again, it's the differentiator. You know, if there's two or three people they're looking at and you have the book, they're going to go with the person with the book. And if you have a better book, then they're going to go with the person with a better book or a more relevant book to their audience. So, you know, if, if you want to speak, a book helps. It also helps you to get paid. So early on, you're going to struggle unless you have a really marketable topic that people, that corporate Corporations in particular want to pay for. The way that you can use your book to get paid is associations that wouldn't have a speaker's budget, they often have a marketing budget or an education budget. So while they might not pay you, they might buy a copy of your book for every person in the room and you can sell them a copy of your book for $20 or $15 and it costs you four. So you make that margin, you know, hundred people in the room and you're making, you know, 10 bucks a book just for simplicity. There's a thousand dollar speaking fee, right? That you couldn't have got without your book. So there's ways, like I said, I used my book to get marketing, you know, $35,000 worth of marketing at a $1,200 fee to me. So there's ways that your book can be leveraged into what you want to do that you don't have options to right now. So how you do it, I say start small. Um, it's really intimidating. I went from doing little events to doing six, uh, 600, I don't know, 300 people was my first event. So just getting mic'd up for the first time, it's pretty, pretty daunting. So you want to have done your talk a few times. Like I I blacked out, like not fell down, but I blacked out in that I was so nervous. I don't actually remember that talk. <laughs> that <laughs> so, would probably be me. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I encourage you to just start small and build up, but your book is a powerful way to, to do all of that. Blog tours. Yes and no. I mean, more and more things are going to video um, mm -hmm. and podcasts. So uh, we don't tend to spend a lot of time on blogs. Um, we we have a, we worked with a real estate. Um, he's got an apartment syndication book, and we were able to get a partnership with him on a on a financial planner's blog. They get a million hits a month, and you know we were able to get him promoted on his book. That's a huge volume blog, so it's worth it. But typical blogs nowadays, it's hard to get blog traffic. So 
you know, I wouldn't do a lot. I wouldn't spend a lot of time trying to get blog tours. I would try to find really specific blogs and really try to get people to put you on their email list, promote to their email list, um, get in front of people on stage and get traditional media. Thank you so much for that. Because I've caught wind that, you know, the, the old school, and I don't even know if old school is the right way to put it, but you know, the bookstore tours or the book signings, even big names can't rely on getting people into the bookshops anymore. I can't even tell you the last time I was in a physical bookstore. Yeah. Number one, I mean, there is one in my town. It's a mom and pop shop, but they charge like 50% more than just ordering online. Uh So I don't go there. Maybe if it's to talk about my book, maybe I would, but I just, no, it's two minutes away from my house and I still wouldn't go. So I'm not about to plan a cross-country trip to hit all these big bookstores, especially when people don't know my name. Mm-hmm. So, and then blogs, yeah, I I do still keep up my blog and some people like it, but it definitely gets less traffic than my podcast does. So mm-hmm. I guess quality over quantity, know where you're going to get the biggest bang for your, and I don't want to say buck. So when I say buck, I mean for your time. Mm-hmm. There's got to be a better expression than that. Yeah. <laughs> so you work with clients in so many different ways. You will help them through the whole process. Is that how you prefer to start working with a client? We like to start with them as early as possible mm-hmm. just to make sure that they're writing a book or they have a book that's going to achieve their objective. I find that the people who come to us with finished books, about 20% of them are really, really good. The other 80%, they just haven't positioned very well. So I don't take them on because I only want to create success stories. And if I don't think we have a pretty good likelihood of helping you create a success story, then I don't want to take your money. So yeah, so I, I turn most of those people away that come to me with finished books because they just, I just don't think they've done a good enough job of identifying their market and writing a book that their market's going to want. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the earlier people come to us, the better. Plus that allows us to make sure that you've you know, you've built a platform around it, that you have made these calls to action, like we talked about early on, you know, the Dan Kennedy kind of style, but, you know, in a, like I say, a more tactful, a tactful way. Sorry to any Dan Kennedy fans, but he's really in your face. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's, you want to have some of that in your book. And and I think some people are afraid to do it. So I'm like, let's not think about it as selling. Let's think about what is your reader going to need? And I'll give you the example of of my book that I'm working on, the self-publishing book, I've built a a spreadsheet that will calculate your timeline uh, to launch and all of the steps that you need, and it gives you a due date. And so, you know, that's something that when you're done reading the book, you'll go, okay, great. Now, what do I need to do next? And this spreadsheet walks you through it's a, a scary number of tasks that need to happen with all of the dates, but it lays it out. So it's kind of a value add. It's not, you know, my book is not you know, useless without this. Um, and it's not a repeat of what's in my book. It's an add-on. And so if you can find something that is a resource that's going to be useful to people and spreadsheets are great workbooks, accompanying workbooks where they don't have to write in your book because nobody wants to write in a book. So if you have kind of worksheets inside of the book, then build a workbook that people can download. These are all things that you can build that are valuable. You're not selling, you're offering value and you build that into various uh, calls to action throughout your book. And readers are great. People will reply. My first book, you know, I had some return calculating spreadsheets 
sheets for the real estate investor folks. And people would write, get it and go, oh my gosh, thank you. I was thinking I was going to have to pay $100 for this. You just gave it to me free. Like they love it. So if you can create stuff that people love and put that in your book, all the better for your whole end game. So we're trying to help you figure out all those pieces along the way, along with writing the book. So yeah, the earlier, the better. I love that you brought that up because you could still put that spreadsheet up on your site and say it's $100, but also tell them, but if, hey, if you go buy the book, you can get it for free. So just. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So yeah, it can just all go around and around. I want to ask you a question and I, I don't want to be rude with how I ask it, but when you were talking about the book that you're reading or writing right now, you you said it's not necessarily, the, you know, the book that you're most passionate about right now, how important do you think passion is in the book writing process? And I mean, I can imagine like a whole bunch of topics that I could write about that apply to what I do in my, in my company, but without the passion there, I, I don't know that it would ever get done. Yeah, I mean, passion helps. Like I can kind of gauge somebody's interest and, and for me, like I do have, like I've, I'm including some of my own personal stories that I'm excited to share because they're relevant. They'll teach. And so I, I find a way to be excited about it. And I don't honestly know what my book that I'd be writing right now would be otherwise, because I kind of, I feel like our company needs this book. So that's why I'm, I'm writing it, but I find a way to get excited about it. But I think if you can't find a way to get excited about it, then you're right. Like other things will always be a priority. So I think you do have to have a level of passion, but I also think there's a danger in, and it's not a danger. That might not be the right word, but you know, there's people who just pursue passion and they pursue it at all costs. And I think that sometimes pursuing passion and only passion can wind up with a book that doesn't do anything. And again, if all you care about is that you wrote the book, that's great. Like celebrate that. I do not judge at all because, you know, that is an achievement and that's a great success. But if you want to write a book that people are going to read, you have to make sure that you're writing a book that's for them and not for you. And that's where passion can be a little dangerous because people can get all wrapped up in getting in their passion, but that passion's all about you. And a book isn't, it's about you maybe, but it's not for you. If you're writing a book to market it, you really have to be clear on that. So passion will help you get it done, but you want to make sure passion doesn't drive you to write a book that ultimately doesn't have the impact that you want it to have. Mm, That's so deep. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, because I can just see how there would be a lot of people who, and I have to say, I think I've read some of these books where you could feel that it just wasn't there. But I love how you said that you were putting stories in because even like the Heartfelt Funnels program, and if I wrote the book, like that would be sort of the same thing. It wouldn't necessarily be the book that I was most passionate about. The topic overall, I would be passionate about, but sharing the stories would be a whole lot of fun look here, see the results. You know, this person has a 45% open rate and this person has a three and it's because they're doing this, this and this. And let me show you another story. Exactly. And that's where I do get excited about my book and writing it. And then when people ask me questions, I'm like, oh, I just got to finish my book because then I could just tell you to read my book. Like then I get excited. And I think that that's where, you know, you just, you have to find Find something that'll motivate you if you know it's something you really want to do. Because let's face it, like everything I do in my life, even stuff I love, sometimes I just I just don't feel like it. <laughs> you know? Yes. So, so you you have to find that. And I like so I'm I'm one of those people where it's it's tempered passion. I think it's probably the way to call it. I've never said that before. Oh, but. I love that. Very tweetable, <laughs> tempered passion. 
<laughs> because I think that if you're too passionate, you can sometimes miss the signs that you're going in the wrong direction <laughs> or that it's not going to work out. And I think, you know, if you don't have the passion, then it's really hard to keep going at all. So, yeah, I, I like I, yeah, I just made that up. But I do kind of like the tempered passion approach because it's it's more balanced. It's more sustainable. And, and hopefully you can make good choices that create a life that you want to live, that you're excited about living. But, you know, there's always things you have to do along the way that aren't necessarily fun. So you got to find a way to get excited about it so you get things done so you can get where you want to go. So you recommended earlier, you know, if you don't have five hours a week, mm-hmm. you know, maybe now's not the time. Correct. What would be, okay, so I'm going to allow you to pick on me for a second. Mm-hmm. What else would you recommend for picking up momentum and finding the flow of the book or finding your flow and writing the book? Like what has worked really well for you? Well, I think the first thing is making sure that you're clear on the hook and you have an outline. Mm. Until you have that, it's hard to get any momentum. Like it doesn't matter if I tell you to, you know, allocate 30 minutes a day to this, it doesn't matter. Like you're probably not going to do it. So you really have to sit down. And I find that you do have to work with a coach, um, a really good coach who will help you develop a hook. And that's the through line that goes all the way through your book. Um, Every story you tell has to come back to that hook. Every lesson that you share has to come back to that hook. It's the thread that ties your entire manuscript together. Once you have that and you can develop an outline, I feel like it's, that's where I say, like, if you can spend 30 minutes, a couple days a week, and then an hour or two on the weekend, you can get this book written in a couple of months and and it'll move forward from there. But you have to kind of commit yourself to that hook, commit yourself to that outline and then stick to it. And you might want to adjust a few things, change a few stories here and there, but you kind of just have to commit to it. And that's the first step because it's not really about time at that point. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like you, like you said, you know, you can stop scrolling social media for a couple of days. You could make sure you batch, you know, batch an extra podcast into your next round of batch. And now you've got a free couple of hours instead of doing that podcast one day. Right. So, you know, wherever you can kind of find the time, but the first step is to get clear on, you know, why you're writing the book, who it's for, and then what that hook is and develop the outline. Thank you so much. And I actually got that assignment last week early last week and I don't know why like I, I I'm so looking forward to actually writing the book but I'm resistant and I I don't know why I'm just resistant to actually opening up the doc writing the hook and getting the outline started that's another episode people <laughs> yeah I mean some some of it is that the hook itself is hard to find yourself because usually and so some of the questions that our writing coaches will ask are the things that make you different so what does everybody else say in your industry that you don't believe what's something that has come out of your really lowest point like what's the lesson that you learned from the lowest point in your life you know what what is something that you are always saying to people that um, seems contradictory to what they've already heard what they already believe you know those kind of things are often, you know, where we find the hook, but the hook, because it's what makes you different, what makes you unique, and what's going to make people go, I need to read this book right now. I find it's really hard to get that by yourself. Yeah, I can see that. Absolutely. Because I, I mean, that's what I went through for the full first two years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Julie, I want to thank you so much for coming on today, because you have opened my eyes in so many different ways already. Like I, I want to have a part two on this. <laughs> when I get a bit further, listeners, if this is your first episode, I mean, we're recording a couple months before this episode is going to go live, but the show just transitioned from seven days a week down to two. And I'm so excited about having that extra time in the week 
Because that's my five hours right there. Yeah, that's perfect. I'm not even talking about the other time that I don't need to be doing whatever else I was doing. But I'm so excited in the next month to be reclaiming that time. And then it's just going to propel. For being on an episode about writing, I'm not being at all eloquent today. Listeners, I want to apologize to you. <laughs> Julie, you too. I don't know where <laughs> all my words just disappeared. Sort of like sort of like the, the new document that I started. Don't let yourself be scared by the white pages, though. That's what I have to say to listeners. <laughs> Sounds good. And I mean, if you are looking for writing tips or ideas, you know, if you are staring at a blank page, I do have some really fun, quick videos on my booklaunchers.tv channel. Um, YouTube's kind of my passion, like my my fun project that, you know, also helps people. And yeah, so check that out because I have some, you know, how to write faster, how to start, all that kind of stuff. I have videos on that. That was an awesome segue. Thank you. I didn't even know you had that. And now I'm going to have to go check it out because I think... I mean, I was an artist in my previous career. I was an interior architect. And there's nothing more intimidating to me than just a big sheet of white. I don't care if it's an electronic sheet of white or a big sheet of drafting paper. Like putting that first mark on the page is just like, ah. so I'm going to have to go check that out. There will be a link in the show notes, listeners, at thekimsutton.com forward slash PP545. But Julie, where can we find you online? I know booklaunchers.tv and where else can we find you? Booklaunchers.com is our website. And uh, if you want to chat with me about your book idea, see if we're a fit to help you. Uh, there's lots of spots on there, but you can go to booklaunchers.com forward slash application. And that tell me a little bit about your book idea and then we can hop on the phone. Awesome. Julie, thank you so much again for coming on today. Do you have a parting piece of advice or a golden nugget that you can offer to listeners? Yeah. And to you, the missing piece is always action. Just get down, get to work, you know, get out of your head and start because it's never going to be perfect when you start. And that's what editors are for. So the missing piece is always action. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast. When I'm not podcasting, I'm supporting six to seven figure business coaches with their marketing automation and entrepreneurs like you through my coaching and mastermind programs. I want to invite you to visit thekimsutton.com to learn how I can help you take your business to the next level.